O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may these words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. You who are our God, our Redeemer, our Savior. Amen. You have it. It's yours. God's grace and God's peace and his mercy, yours in Jesus. I'd like to ask you, what is it that amazes you about God? What is it about him that just, in effect, leaves you without the words to say, to describe, other than to say, wow, incredible, amazing. Finish the sentence. What amazes me the most about God is, I'll share my answer to that question in, in, in just a little bit, okay? You know, as you consider the, the possible answers to that, that question, Here's what impressed King David most about God. There were two things that impressed him about God. One is as he stood out underneath the starry night and looked up into the heavens and, and, and the sky, what impressed him was the glory of God that was displayed there for him to see in the skies. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And the other thing that impressed David about God was this. As he, as he looked up into the heavens, I'm sure you've experienced this. You look up into the sky and, and you begin to realize how small you are. And how insignificant you are in comparison to him. The creator, creator, and he was just amazed that God would have anything to do with someone so lowly as himself. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of? Who am I that you should pay any attention to me, the son of man? that you should care for him. What does impress you most about God? You know, in this world in which we live, if you're impressed with God, you're now in the minority. We live in a world that is no longer impressed with God. In fact, we live in a world that tries to remove God from everything as much as it possibly can. So little are they impressed with him. And, and yet while we might point the finger at our world and say they're all to blame for not being impressed with God, you know what, we also have to bring the finger back around and point it at us. And what we do as Christians, which lends to our world not being impressed by God. One of the ways, I think, in which we contribute to the world not being impressed with God is how we make use of the majestic name of God. 
or I should say how we misuse the majestic name of God. Be honest now. How frequently do you break the second commandment? You shall not take or use the name of the Lord your God in vain. What happens to you when somebody sets you off? What are the words that come out of your mouth? What happens when something breaks, something doesn't work like you want it to work? What's the language that comes out of your mouth? Listen to these two things that God says about this, both written in the book of James. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My friends in Christ, this should not be. And just before that, in chapter 1 of James, God says this, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So is it any wonder that our world has a dim view of God and the name of God when they hear you and me as Christians have no respect for the name and misuse the name? Here's another way I think that we contribute to the world's dim view of God. It's when we say one thing as Christians, but we proceed to do another thing. It's called being a hypocrite. I recall lots of visits that I've made over the years with, with church members who stopped coming to church, weren't attending worship, and, and I would go out to their home and visit with them. And, and, and ask them, why? What happened? What happened? Why aren't you coming anymore? And a lot of times, the answer would go something along the lines of this. Well, you know, there's just so many hypocrites in that church. And when I would hear those words, what I would do is I'd put the biggest smile on my face I possibly could, and I'd look them right in the eye, and I'd say, you know, there's always room for one more. <laughs> Seriously, when you and I are hypocrites, when our friends and our neighbors and our family members who know we are Christians, they know what we profess and believe, and when they hear us say one thing, and then they watch us as we go out and proceed to do the exact opposite thing, is it any wonder that in looking at us, the world forms a rather low opinion of the God whom we claim to know. You know, the problem isn't just out there with our world, is it? The problem is also in here with us, you and me, and our hearts. Now, at this juncture, we would do well to follow the example of the man who wrote the words of Psalm 8. 
I mean, as we know, King David did more than his fair share of stuff to give the world, his world of his day, a rather dim impression of God. The lust, the adultery, the murder, the cover-up. But what is most impressive about David is this, that when he realized his sin, what he did, the prayer that he prayed, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from all my sin. That's incredible. And I say that not so much with regard to the words of David. Here's what's incredible, is God's response to the words of David. He forgave the lust. He forgave the adultery. He forgave the murder. He forgave the cover-up. He forgave David. The prophet Nathan came to him and said, The Lord has taken away your sin. Hasn't he done that for us? That's the one thing that impresses me the most about God. I know me, just as you know you. And that he has forgiven me. That's what impresses me about him. That he wants to have anything to do with me, like we sang in, in one of the songs today. That's what impresses the socks off me. And why has God done that? Well, go back once more to the psalm, to Psalm 8. And this, there's this other truth about God that so greatly impressed David, namely that this God of great glory would want to have anything to do with sinful people. And he said, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care about him? You know who those words are about? Oh yeah, they're about us in a way. But more specifically, they are about Jesus. Both in Matthew's Gospel as well as in the book of Hebrews, these words of Psalm 8 are specifically applied to Jesus and say they are about him and how he took on our flesh and how he took our place as the Son of Man and how he died in our place and, and paid for our sins with his suffering and with his death and with his resurrection. That's about Jesus. And you just got to say, wow, incredible, amazing. Or as David simply puts it in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how much 
majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is the name of Jesus. Because in that name, with that name, through that name, as Jesus himself said to his disciples, through that name there is forgiveness of sins. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. How majestic is that name and the forgiveness it brings. And as John wrote in 1 John, that name brings the gift of eternal life. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. How majestic is that name, Jesus. And both of those truths that in the name of Jesus, through the name of Jesus, we are forgiven, and in and through the name of Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life. They come together in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, There is no other name under heaven given to us whereby we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. What is it that impresses you most about God? Well, the fact that he has forgiven you for the sake of Jesus, that's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? And that in Jesus you also have the gift of heaven. And if that wasn't enough, there's more, isn't there? We each could add to the list of this is what impresses me about God because this is what he has done for me. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. I have a suggestion to make to us. In fact, two suggestions to make to us so that in our lives we might more add to what impresses the world about God rather than take away what impresses them about God. And the first one is this. It's not hard. Find a place. Create a place in your life where you can just sit quietly and take in the majestic nature of God. For me, it's at the end of our driveway. I've got what's called a prayer stump, a tree that went down, I carved it out. It, it's a little tree, a seat now. And I'll sit there, if the mosquitoes aren't too bad, <laughs> early in the and watch the sunrise. That's my place for seeing the majesty of God. So maybe for you it's at the end of your driveway. Maybe for you it's at the end of your dock. I don't know where, but find that place. Make that place where you just take in the majesty of God. And, and the second is, is, is this. That, again, like King David, we find a way to express to others what impresses us about God. Now, King David wrote a psalm. We probably can't do that, but you can witness to others, can't you? And we can live lives that show others the majesty of God. As Jesus once said, let your light, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and, and give glory to your Father in heaven.
may it be so that our words and our lives do this. Reflect the majesty of God. O oh Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts, keep our minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.